Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. And this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is a deep dive. We are doing one of our scene by scene episodes, which means we're diving deep into a specific scene. And the scene we are calling, it is from The Phantom Menace, and we are calling it Boss Nass's Throne of Judgment. And I can't wait to sit in the throne with the boss. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Epsock, and my entire Star Wars fandom of the last 20-plus years has led to this moment. It's a good moment. I can't wait, because you and I have talked about elements of this scene 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we have talked a little bit about Boss Nass, uh, but there, I, as I was writing up the notes, there's like, there's some things that I really don't know Ken's opinion on. This is going to mm. be so great. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but we, before we get into all the Boss Nass deliciousness, uh, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we're recommending Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Of course, the first book in the High Republic series. The next book is coming out very soon, so get caught up with us. You can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. But Ken, we also have another offer, right? We do, Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture titles, is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. Check it out with the code FC35. C-35, and yeah, get that book and get ready for Secrets of the Sith coming uh, your way soon. So there you go. Some offers for you. I wonder if Boss Nass would take those offers. <laughs> well, maybe we can answer that uh, at the end of the podcast uh, after we've really spent some time in the in Boss Nass's mind. Would he read Secrets of the Jedi? Or would I he just be pissed? We saw no like in the Jedi. (laughs) We'll see at the end of the story. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Well, if you haven't listened to one of these episodes before, we really love doing these scene by scene episodes. Uh, We we try to break down big scenes in Star Wars, but we've also been just gravitating towards scenes that we're intrigued by, that we think maybe there's more to discuss, that uh, sometimes maybe that, that element of the scene or that element of the film or story doesn't get discussed as often. Uh, I try to do this list. We'll see if I can make it through, Ken, because it's getting long. (laughs) These are the other scene-by-scene episodes we've discussed. Ray's Cave of Mirrors, uh, Dooku's Cell of Half-Truths, Palpatine's Box of Lies, Obi-Wan's Hut of Exposition, Palpatine's Lab of Horrors, Luke and Vader's Walkway of Doubt, Kenobi's Campfire of Resolution, and Dexter's Diner of Wisdom. Now joining the fray, Boss Nass's Throne of Judgment. Very excited. Uh, This is obviously from The Phantom Menace. It's about two and a half minutes of uh, negotiation, Jedi philosophy, cultural exchange, comedy, travel plans, and a large fish guy spitting. Pretty great. Uh, It it has elements of comedy and weirdness that definitely I think some fans push back on during its original release. And I just kind of want to start there, Ken. Mm -hmm. Did you dislike this back in the day? And and if you've come around to this scene and this character, what made it happen? Back in the day, uh, coming out of the theater. I didn't, I didn't hate this scene. I didn't dislike a lot of this scene, but it, it built in me. Uh, and I, I would, <laughs> the anger. This, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would point to the scene a lot of see why you, that whole movie sucks. Um, but so this, this, this scene is a testament to many things, bad prequel moments. Um, but it's also moments you come to appreciate more. And it's a scene full of little things that I I never forgot, which what I mean by that is even as I made fun of them, this is what I call the the seismic charges effect of it all. (laughs) Yeah, we talk a lot about, "Eh, I don't know, Attack of Clones, I don't like that. It's my lowest ranked Star Wars movie, but those seismic charges. There are, Boss Nass became that character for me. 
And and, and I've already done it once. I'm sure you're going to do it. I, we apologize ahead of time if we do, just like with Dexter Jetster, if we do a bad Dexter voice or a, a bad Boss Nass impersonation. We apologize in front of it. it. But it's hard not to. It's part of the charm. It's part of the charm. And saying through the planet core, and, all, and now go, and all these things. And he is to be punished. To 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 say all the... It, it, I, they never left me. And... and you might not not like overall some of the stuff in presentation. We'll get into some of that, but but like, it's there in you. You you keep replaying in your mind, and you're connected to it almost in spite of yourself. And that was this scene. Later on, this scene kind of became um, a. It, it was in a popular video that made fun of Phantom Menace. Okay. This particular moment. And I remember, oh, yeah, 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 that scene. See, yeah, this scene's so boring, so boring. So th- this video is right, and and that's just so surface level. Is is it perfect? No, I think one of the things in in a 4K world, some of uh, the Phantom Menace, all the prequels, you know, don't stand up as as much. And this is one of those moments. It almost looks animated in a way, not maybe in a in a great way. Um, that, but that's just the surface. Once you dig in, I gotta tell you, man, I I absolutely love it. There's so much here. You touched upon it. So uh, Naboo Gungan relationships, the themes of the movies are in here, the designs, everything about it, and then one hell of a memorable performance of this wild character. And therefore, that's why we're here. It's why I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, I think you're saying a lot of great things that I really agree with. I think uh, people have been listening for a long time, kind of know our journey with the uh, the prequels from uh, having dubious relationships with them as they came out to uh, really coming to love and appreciate them. I think there's also been some things I've been seeing kind of bubbling up on social media that this is such a a thing of um of perspective, right? And mm-hmm. I think if you grew up with the prequels and you were young and and you were just around other people who liked the prequels, uh, and that was never any doubt, like this is Star Wars, this is great. I totally understand that that's a perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes where we're coming at this conversation is we grew up in the uh, in the original trilogy, uh, watching generation. And then I think a lot of our angst and pushback towards the prequels was it, it's different. It's not exactly what we were expecting. Uh, so that's what we're coming at uh, this conversation from of those initial reactions when you have some of the, the baggage of, uh, but Star Wars should look like this, but it should feel like this. And then Lucas comes out and is like, look, uh, I, I'm really playing. I'm expanding the canvas. Uh, in this scene, I think, is really representative of some of that uh, that canvas expansion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we get uh, distracted, at least I did, and, and I think you're with me, um, when it first comes out, kind of distracted uh, by some of the surface and not able to appreciate some of the depth. And yeah. that's definitely, for me, the journey here. Uh, I thought Boss Nass was, was weird and funny. Like, uh, of the things that I wasn't sure about in the, in the film... Uh, when Phantom Menace first came out, I was like, I, I don't know that I think that's like really cool or deep, but it is, it is funny when <laughs> Angry Fish Guy <laughs> is spitting all over everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in my journey with Phantom Menace was even though I had a lot of criticisms and concerns at the time and they should have done this, they should have done that. Uh, it didn't stop me from absorbing it. And I bought that VHS mm-hmm. the day it came out and watched it uh, again and again and again. And exactly what you're describing, the... Um, the spending time with something that you're initially like, I don't think that's great. But then you find yourself just saying planet core for no reason, just to yourself because mm-hmm. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's a part of how it, how the kind of the surface level starts to grow on you. Right. Um, and then the, the big picture, what's the scene actually about um, starts to really sink in. I remember the first viewing 
I was really struck by the idea that a life debt crossed cultures because that was one of the things that yeah. I knew, right? Of like Chewbacca has a life debt with Han Solo. That's really cool. Um, and the fact that another uh, culture could have a a life debt and uh, Qui Gon's much more casual Jedi mind trickery. Yeah, <laughs> those were the things that really engaged me uh, when I was first absorbing Phantom Menace because there were things that that were in conversation with the Star Wars I knew before. Um, so I think I was really intrigued by the life debt. I was really intrigued by the, <laughs> the, the casual Jedi mind trick of like, oh, I'm not even putting the energy into lifting my hand too far. I'm just, it's just a quick <laughs> Jedi mind uh, wipe. Uh, but once I started spending more time with the Phantom Menace and the prequels in general and really engaging with the prequels just as they are, dropping any baggage of expectation and just like, what is there? What is being communicated? I think I, I always understood the mechanics of what was happening in this scene of, yep, this is building relationships uh, that's going to pay off later in the film. It's about helping each other. That's great. Um, but the depth of that, the power of that, the intention of it, how it connects to so many other beats in this film, so many other moments in Star Wars, how just consistent and powerful the philosophy behind what is going on in this scene that just you know bloomed like a flower in in my soul when i dropped all the baggage and engaged with the prequels as they are yes yes uh hands in the air i'm saying preach on sir because what what you know you you could you could look at the way lucas executed these films and made them and and, and hey i made them for kids and and that can that could be some we, we use that sometimes to be like, ah, but don't forget other, other people use it as, oh, he did it. And, and, and here's the thing. When you really, really listen to some of the things going on in the Phantom Menace and, and you go, if you take it on, on the, uh, you know, take it as a truth from George of like, I wanted to do this again for a new generation in a different way and expand my own story. The stuff that's going on there, we've said it, the occupation of the boo isn't as peaceful as you'd, as you'd think. Uh, in fact, E.K. Johnston's uh, second novel goes into some of the, the brutality in this occupation going on there. Um, the idea, one of the reasons I, I just admire and look up to the character of Padme is in this particular movie, a 14-year-old queen is going against a long-held, we don't know how long-held kind of view of, of, of segregation on her planet and saying we cannot do that if we're going to survive. And Jar Jar is there saying we, we're proud warriors, and 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 she realizes what she has to do, and that goes all that comes out of this scene. And if you go back to it, and the more you learn and understand Qui Gon, you get Obi Wan uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. He's just out there like, hey, you you got you guys need to work together, don't you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the stuff that play at Qui Gon, the stuff that you and I love digging into, and then Boss Nass doing what's best for his people and coming from a point of view that's probably understandable of, of uh, the, the Naboo and, and the treatment of the Gungans. There's some big, giant themes that George is saying, they're seven-year-olds of this generation. Can you pick it up? Yep. Yep. And and I think that's... When when people talk about The Phantom Menace being made for kids, I think there is a sense of like, yeah, weird whimsy and comedy and even kind of straightforward slapstick and there's some of that kind of surface-level stuff that that's obviously important. Uh, but I think that it's made for kids is much more for the like, here are some life lessons to really take out into the galaxy with you. Big ones, big ones. And that's why I think over the years, 
we you can you we can poke fun at this these films, all three of these films, because some of the moments and even the designs and the look, not even the designs. I take the back designs, not not, but even the look. This this scene particularly does not necessarily hold up for me on my TV. I was watching this morning. It was like. Boss Dass looks like a cartoon. Yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, yeah. look at the just a level of animation detail in a video game that's now several years old, like Battlefront 2. And I remember just like thinking, like, I can see every pore on these characters' faces. <laughs> yeah, a video game. And I, now I just imagine, like, Aiden Versio standing there next to Boss Dass going, are you okay? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, <laughs> you can see, <laughs> you see Janina Gavankar's acting decisions in a video game. Yeah, 100%. But that's why I get a little grumpy when, when I when I – the, when you stop at the surface level stuff of the prequels, that's your choice. I'm, I'm not here to take that away from it, but this is a great example. So I come back to a great example of dig a little deeper. You, you might not have, you might not love it. That's fine. You might not love these movies. I don't think that's ever the end game here at Force Center. We just want to discuss what we think's there. I think you get a lot more from this particular scene than you'll ever have before if you stop and look at it. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, much like when we've been discussing the sequels and some of the strong opinions around them lately, I, art is subjective. And if you don't like things, that's great. I think sometimes what we really want to advocate for is there are really great, consistent, pers- uh, specific ideas here. And, and you know, we, we'd love to, to have people kind of embrace them and see them. And then they might go, yeah, I see that. Still don't like it. <laughs> and yeah. that's fine. Our art is subjective. Well, but we want to dig into those ideas and celebrate that they're there. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you come to the table, you listen, you dig and you're like, this is still not the dinner for me. What, what am what can I say? And I, again, that's, I'm not here to have us all eat the same dinner. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Is pineapple on pizza good? Uh, it depends on your mouth. You decide. That's the answer. <laughs> And I will fight for my right to enjoy that pizza. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get, I'd love to see Boss Nass eat a pineapple pizza. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get into this. So there's a lot going on in the scene, uh, but Boss Nass is, is the boss of the scene. Uh, he is, of course, played by Brian Blessed. Uh, are you a fan of his, and, and were you aware of him in a fan back in 99? I, I am. I, I uh, highlight again our friend Jamie Stangroom's YouTube channel. He's got a great interview with him from a few years back. He is a character to say the least uh and and has a lot of boss nass in him <laughs> his great long career obviously uh, i was a fan but i wasn't immediately a fan uh, i just didn't know it yet like you said up top joseph i quoted uh boss nass i mimicked brian blessed as boss nass i mocked his peace orb at the end of the movie <laughs> i still think it's kind of funny i still think it's kind of funny um but then i did everything in my power to to not admit that I love this character. Um, um, I'm not crying. I'm, I'm kind of um, got the hiccups today. I apologize, folks. Um, I, I did everything I could to be like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. But again, the lines, it, it just, it, it's charming. It is funny. I love the stuff. Then I love when he slaps uh, Jar Jar on the back and, and as he's promoting him to a bombad general, he's kind of stumbling along, swaying along. I'm like, I, I, you know what? Here it is. I love Boss Nass. <laughs> bombad general. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Blessed is one of the things that I was really looking forward to uh, because I knew him from uh, that first series of Black Adder uh in flash gordon with his uh famous dive yell that he does uh but he's uh on a, a fairly significant to me episode of uh doctor who uh king Yurkanos, i believe he plays uh but he's just one of those like how is it that you are doing like textbook overacting screaming yeah. but there's still just so much like charm and nuance within it like he is just mm-hmm. one of those people who just like 
you know, defies the rules of how it's supposed to be done. And it works because it's just it's so honest. It's clearly flowing from this uh, weird, wonderful, charming human being that is Brian Blessed. So I yeah. think uh, I was excited to see what Brian Blessed was going to do because I knew he was in it. And I and I think I kind of was like I, it made me probably more friendly to Boss Nass because it was like, I, I mean, that's uh, it's a character for Star Wars, but it's also like. Is said that's uh that's that's what Brian Blessed might be like if he was in Star Wars. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. His um, <laughs> I'm even on his Twitter page right now. Uh, he's still very active, and he's just he's he's got all caps. He's doing a great charity thing, soundless for Nepal, in all caps. Gordon's alive, and so am I. This guy just <laughs> he's he's a lot of things, and it all just poured wonderfully into Boss Nass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just scanning a uh, a uh, his uh, Google entry, and there's a headline from a recent arti- article in the Guardian saying, "I'm only noisy when I choose to be." I look forward uh, to reading that. Um, so, Brian, the Brian Blessed of it all is a is a big part of it uh, for me of enjoying Boss Nass and the performance. He is certainly a performer uh, that was probably just like, "What do you want me to do, George? Cool, great, going for it. One hundred and thirty thousand percent. I'm going for it." Um, what do you think of the design of Boss Nass? We talked a little bit about the CGI and how well uh, Boss Nass has aged or not. But what do you think of just like the design of what he looks like? Yeah, so I wanted to clarify earlier. The design of Boss Nass is in keeping in line with what I feel the Phantom Menace specifically is, which is full of wonderful Star Wars designs. In, in a world where we've already had Jabba the Hutt, uh, uh, a squid as a, in charge of, uh, you know, a, <laughs> calamari in charge of a rebel alliance. Um, you, you, know, you and I and so many others grew up with uh, hammerheads and pig faces and da, 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 <laughs> all these kind of things. He is he stands right up there with some of those great designs, if not even more um, uh, functional in a way. It just makes sense. It's a great design. That the, the costume is great. I would love to see a modern modern version of 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 Rugor Nass. I really would. Uh, <laughs> you know, in uh, in some other uh, you know, does Kenobi go back and visit him <laughs> in, in the series? I don't think that'll happen. But I would love to see a modern take on the design with modern technology because then I think the design would really pop. Yeah, yeah, I agree because I think the design is really good. I like, uh, I like that he is a different uh, looking Gungan than Jar Jar and many other Gungans. So, like, you, you get that uh, sense of just sort of a, a variety and in, in diversity within Gungans. Um, I like his that his kind of brown robe is one of the things that uh, we'll talk about other moments. But there's some kind of connections between the aesthetics of uh of the gungan high council and the jedi and the brown robe does that but then he's got like kind of awesome shoulder armor if you really look at it and then the the weird pointy hat and the just powerful powerful eyebrows right <laughs> oh yeah uh that when i was looking at him i think really close for this question he sort of captures to me a little bit of just like the the weird fantasy and fun of star wars because i was just kind of looking at him and it's like what Boss Nass is reminding me of something. What is it? And I was like, it's a lawn gnome. He's reminding me of a lawn gnome. He's got this energy. Like he's like a, a rogue lawn gnome that came to life and just started a new life underwater. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, that's, I'll never see a lawn gnome the same way again. <laughs> that one could be played by Brian Blessed. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on the design of Boss Nass before we move on? Uh, no, no, I need, I need more boss Nass merch in my life, but uh, I would love it. Yeah. And be tracking down a lot of Phantom Menace action figures, I think. Anyway, 
moving on here. Uh, we always like to review of uh, what's going on before the scene and what's yeah. coming into the scene with the characters. So Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi have discovered the Trade Federation is not just blocking Naboo from interacting with the rest of the galaxy. They are preparing a droid army to invade the planet. The Jedi have been gassed, shot at, and they're on a mission to warn the Naboo. It's not their day. Uh, Jar Jar Binks has been banished for being clumsy, including blowing things up like a stove in a small submarine. So a very dangerous form of clumsy. Uh, and while evading a Trade Federation tank, Qui-Gon pushed Jar Jar out of the way, saving his life. Uh, Jar Jar offered to help the Jedi by taking them to the safety of his hidden home, Gunga City or Oda Gunga. And uh, because of his banishment, Jar Jar and the Jedi are immediately accosted by Captain Tarples at this point, who takes them to see the bosses. So uh, anything in there? I got a specific question, but I also just want to throw it open to you. Anything in there that you wanted to touch on? Always a great summary. It just uh, Qui-Gon's no good, very bad day going on here <laughs> there, um, and sets it up there. And I love, yeah, the highlighted uh, the highlight of uh, what Jar Jar actually does is one. It, I've always, I always get a kick out of that. Yeah, when you look up what a hay blibber is, like, oh, wow, this is uh, actually quite serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so why do you think Jar Jar takes them home even at his own risk? Yeah, the great way to start this uh, because I, I just have a sense Jar Jar's, he's, he's cast adrift, man. You know, he's out there. He's just a rolling stone trying to find his way back home. And I just think he uh, doesn't necessarily know else, know where else to go go but also he he knows these uh, these new friends of his need help and i think he has a connection and, and a clearly a, a just a, a pride in his in his uh community and i think in a sense jar jar just knows you need you need help i can help you and and, and we the gungan people can help you so let's do it even at the at the risk of myself getting hurt or punished punished Punished. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I really like about it. And we do learn more about the scene kind of later when he's talking to other people and he's telling Padme yeah. about like how he had a, a what a brisky morning munching <laughs> uh, that he's having a fine time. Then the Jedi come along and everything goes crazy. Uh, but I think that I like the way that it just comes flying out of his mouth that it, it I think connects him to, to Anakin that he has just this instinct to help. And then once it's already shot out of his mouth of like, oh, I well, if you're trying to go somewhere safe, I, this is the perfect place. It's great. I have pride in my people in my city and yeah. we should go there. I have an instinct to help you. And they're like, oh, wait. Uh, right. I do remember <laughs> <laughs> that I that I've been banished and that's going to be uh, problematic at best for me. Uh, but that also immediately makes Jar Jar relatable in this kind of um, this classic underdog way. Um, and there's a lot of connection to him to early silent comedy and a lot, a lot of early silent comedy is about people in trouble, people who just are, they're, they're kind of relatable underdogs who are just trying to go through life and get something done. And like they get caught in storms and they, their pants get caught in things and they trip and people hit them and they accidentally walk by a construction site and they get hit with a plank eight different ways. And like that's kind of the comedy of, of that mm -hmm. early silent comedy of a, of a person in trouble who's kind of caught and means well, but keeps getting caught in bad situations. And like, even right away, that's kind of what it is with Jar Jar of like, I have an instinct to help. Whoops. I remember yeah. I want to help you, but also it's going to be bad for me. Uh, I just don't have any good options in life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Down and out and Oda Gunga. Down and out and Oda Gunga. That's right. Uh, and then of course, uh, there is also the just kind of straight up um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan press their advantage 
uh, when like, you know, it's not, you, you might not think it's entirely great for you to go back to your city like you just offered, but it's very dangerous for all of us to stay here including for you and that great dialogue about that's the sound of a thousand terrible things coming your way. So there's a, there's yeah. a little pressure applied uh, by Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan once he has made the kind offer. Yeah, yeah, no, and you're right to point that out as, as kind of the next part of it. And again, we're already starting to dig into the themes. The themes are at play, which are in all the Star Wars movies. Again, early on, we you and I talk about even the Rise of Skywalker. BB-8's the first to get hurt by Rey, and this theme that, that rolls out from that, no pun intended about bb And this is one of those themes, man. Like, yeah, you know, we need, we all need help here. We all need to work together. We all need help, and, and poor Jar Jar needs a lot of help. Uh, Andy has a lot of help to offer. Uh, so from there, we're going to dig into the scene itself. It starts with a, an establishing shot of the throne chamber. We're just we're starting with the actual scene in uh, the chamber. Obviously, there's a beautiful scene of uh, when we first see Oda Gunga, the amazing John Williams music, but we're digging right into that throne chamber scene. So we see an establishing shot of it. Uh, it is a circular room with the Jedi in the center, surrounded by Gungan officials and guards, and Jar Jar in the back there with some cuffs on. Uh, it is very reminiscent of the Jedi Council chamber later in the film. It's not a full, entire circle of leaders around them, but it is the circle of, uh, of Gungans in authority, and then the Jedi in the middle presenting their case. Why do you think the, the designs are similar? What does that design tell us? Here's where I went with this. And, and sometimes I have a lot of fun of just like, I don't necessarily know the answer. So I'm trying to really dig into Qui-Gon. And it, it's a preview to me of what's to come. It's Qui-Gon before a council. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't necessarily like that. And it's insight into his view of meetings, which I respect. Uh, his views of, of authority, <laughs> at least. <laughs> no, I just imagine Qui-Gon very calmly saying, uh, now I can't teach you, Anakin, but always remember, this could have been an email. <laughs> Qui-Gon and me working at uh, most of my jobs, similar vibe at meetings. Um, and, and it's it's a preview of Qui-Gon's, and when I say preview, I don't want to overstep this scene. We're not looking past this scene, but it really sets the tone for Qui-Gon. It's a character builder for his view on authority and perhaps story that, authority that doesn't get it or doesn't want to go his way. And he's not afraid to say, not afraid to clearly use some powers we'll talk about. Uh, and and But he does it all for the, for the greater good of what I think he believes is the greater good. And, and we we really like and enjoy Qui-Gon's philosophies and views on, on what the, uh, the good and the light side is. So that's why I, I, it's not necessarily like George was like, well, I need to, I need to set this up, but this is just probably what Qui-Gon's been running into his entire career. And it's just another chapter in this. that's frustrating for him. Yeah, no, I think we're really on the same page. I think uh, one of the things that I've come to really love about Phantom Menace and it's, it's design, you know, not only does it just expand the palette of what Star Wars can look like, and and it's showing us a different world than we saw in the original trilogy. We are mostly spending times with uh, with leaders and in beautiful, powerful places that are kept up and all that. Uh, mm. But there's also just this absolutely recurring image of circles and rounded objects. There's a a flow in in its. To me, it's just visually saying in a way that you can kind of just feel in your gut that there's problems there's a phantom menace uh there's conflict in this movie but this is a a time in the galaxy that had a little bit of harmony you know all those rounded images reminds us of uh connections uh the sort of natural circles of life of uh, events uh potentially repeating themselves all that sort of imagery of circles and rounded objects is really powerful to me and this is just yet another one of them and it's in fact the entire image of 
Odaganga, right. right? It's they live in these beautiful circular orbs, right? They absolutely do. And I, I want to kick this back to you here. And I'm not being cheeky with this question because uh, when you and I first met and we had our earlier discussions on Jedi Lions prequels, this is one of the first points you ever said. You, you said that I remember thinking, you know, hot damn naps like you missed that. You didn't pay attention to that. Um, when was the first time you ever that really sunk in? Was it the oh, first screenings? You, you're so great with themes, man. You pull out these wonderful themes, and the themes are even in the designs. And that would not that's not something George would overlook. Um, how long? How, when, when did you discover that? When did you hit into that? I think I started thinking about that um, a while after uh, initially watching the film, because, like I said, I was caught up in the in the surface of you know, like, does it feel like Star Wars? Like the N one is the new Naboo Starfighter is really different, feels really cool, but like yeah. and Boss Nass is weird and fun. Brian Blessed, but does he look like Star Wars? Like I was so distracted by that stuff, and same. I think this is. I think for me, probably. Probably like um, late 2000s, you know, when I was where I'd watch them on DVD every once in a while. And, and I had long ago let sort of let go. Like, is it good? Is it bad? Who cares? I'm I drawn to it and I rewatch this film and I'll, I'll sit around and talk to people about, yeah, it should have been this. It should have been that. But I watch them and I enjoy them. And I think once I really started saying, OK, well, stop thinking about what it should have been. What's there? Why? And realizing yeah. that real circular connection and going like, well, what does that make me feel and why and why would it be there? And how does it match what's what the characters are doing and, and saying, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, beautiful stuff. And and, and yeah, it, because, again, we got Obi-Wan in the scene just kind of almost he's so frustrated. He's a little young, <laughs> frustrated Obi-Wan, just kind of explicitly staying, stating what's going on here. But then to feel it and, 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 and think it's about the era and, and, and people not working together, not coming together, could could undercut this era. It's, it's all in the design. It's all at stake. It's all present there. And I've always loved that. And this scene really makes that pop for me, just the circular, circular nation, uh, uh, nature of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really agree with what you're saying about, it's not even that it's a preview of what Qui-Gon is, is going to face with the Jedi Council. I think it is, and we're going to talk about that a little bit explicitly. But there is something about this image of the characters that are sort of coded, particularly Qui-Gon, to be uh, a wise person, a noble person, a person on a mission, a person who knows what's going on, of like this mm -hmm. this invasion is coming. Even Qui-Gon thought earlier, like the, these uh, Federation types are cowards. This will be quick and easy. And like, whoa, no, there's a real problem. There's a big problem. And I have the responsibility of, of trying to address it by passing that knowledge on. So he's, he's coded as like wise and knowledgeable. And here he is uh, being blocked by this sort of symbol of authority. Like, mm -hmm. I have to stand here in front of the bureaucrats and explain. And it's not just that it happens to Qui-Gon here. It happens to Qui-Gon again from his perspective in front of the council. Of Like, I really discovered something with Anakin. It's really important. I really believe my gut. I really believe this is important, but I got to sell it to a council. This is Padme in front of the Senate. Like, our planet's been invaded, and i am got to sell it to this group of bureaucrats, this council, uh, like it's like all the sort of the, the circular symbolism is sort of like what, what should be, what can be, mm -hmm. but often what's happening in it is rigidity. And it, I see it as like, that's Qui-Gon in front of the Gungan council, Qui-Gon in front of the Jedi council, Padme in front of the Senate. This is George Lucas in front of the director's guild <laughs> yeah. when they didn't want him to put the Irvin Kirshner's credit at the end of the movie. Cause that's not the way it's done. You know, uh, 
and that's just and then obviously i think there's a lot of political beliefs from lucas that he he yeah. champions the the small group uh who is trying to do something wise and flowing but they're caught up in the machinery of rigidity and bureaucracy uh but obviously he's just experienced that in his own personal life with things like yeah the director's guild yelling at him for not crediting a director in this very specific rigid way uh so it's not only like telling to the story of star wars that it's a symbol of facing authority that reoccurs again and again in this film it it matters to the story and you can kind of see where it might have come from in real life yeah oh yeah george oh yeah yeah uh all right any other thoughts before we move on uh, many. Let's move on. Okay, great. So the dialogue begins. Uh, Boss Nass makes a noise. The subtitles render on Disney Plus is tick, 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 tick. <laughs> uh, he then says, Yusa cannot bees here. This army of mechaniques up there is Nuisaw. <laughs> now, uh, Nui, I, I always heard it as Nuisa, the same way they would say like Misa. Um, mm. But the credits uh, or the subtitles say, Yuza cannot bees here. Disarmy of Mechaniques up there is new we song. So mm. up for interpretation. Uh, the, the subtitles also say, uh, Yusa cannot bees hair, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> think is correct. Anyway, so wanted to, uh, uh, obviously that is uh, just that line of dialogue is exactly what Jar Jar has warned them is they're not super big on outsiders. So this is going to be an uphill negotiation. But what I wanted to talk about right away is just what you think of Boss Nass's speech pattern. It is similar to Jar Jar, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Boss Nass is in some ways even more extreme. Extreme, You know, it's part noises, part words we recognize in basic, uh, part cognates that are like, that's not the exact word, but we ab- absolutely know the English or basic equivalent. A part of it is just who knows what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does that communicate that he speaks like that? How do you feel beyond just like the flavor and the fun of it? What's its value? What do you feel about it? Uh, it it's it's and look, we're t- we we've just met Jar Jar. Um, uh, you and I and many others are in the theater theater going. Did he just say squeeze me? That guy just <laughs> said squeeze me. So we're dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, and and yes, there's also some other elements of the, of of the Gungan, but specifically Jar Jar accent that I know have been discussed and. Um, are problematic in some ways, and, and that's a part of a bigger discussion. But but uh, the, to follow Jar Jar up with this, Boston has, and the tick 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 and all those things, it's so it's such a it's a, it's such a of of its culture of its people, and it just expanded what I just met with, just seen with Jar Jar, and then we get Captain Tarples too. Now seems even more real, seems purposeful, and it seems like they are they are what they are saying. A, a proud uh, a, a people, a proud uh, society, and and very. Uh, their own and and that this is the Qui-Gon running up against that and Obi-Wan running up against that uh and that you know, they have to Qui-Gon con- he has to learn to communicate learn to understand literally figuratively all through the scene uh they can't rely on what they just know they must learn boss Nass in a short amount of time uh because the communication isn't necessarily direct and it's one of the of, of all the times like I, I I still sometimes wish Lady Proxima was was translated and wasn't uh the great right. Linda Hunt doing basic it's a big one for me um, but this is one of those moments where an alien creature having a, a the basic language, it really works for me, even more than Jar Jar. It works for me. It makes sense. Uh, him even kind of struggling with the translation drives home the differences between the Naboo and the Gungans and and and, and then Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are running up against that when, when uh, you know, kind of just kind of like, uh, how you say uh, punish? There's, there's that kind of thing kind of inferred in, into it for me. So therefore, it, it's, it's, uh, 
the divide that needs to be crossed in a way. Oh yeah, no, I I really like it. I really like what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely is. There's a a lot in uh, in Phantom Menace, but a lot with the Gungans and with Jar Jar that is absolutely uh, worthy of discussion. A lot of those discussions have been had. I think there's a lot in Star Wars of, you know different groups how are they coded to different real world groups in terms of their level of technology and their level of status and you know what is being said what is maybe accidentally sometimes being uh picked up from the pulp and adventure serial origins of star wars and, and being uh transferred all that stuff is is great and important stuff uh to to acknowledge that those conversations are out there and to seek them out um but uh setting that aside from a moment yeah i really like that it, it has a relationship to naboo who yeah. speak basic but then there's also like clearly their own culture in norms so you get like this sense of a of communities that maybe you know a long long time ago were in sync because they have commonalities but they're not anymore and they've diverged you know um yeah. is one way i see it uh i really like that it does make it feel uh different and unique and like it's its own culture it's the promise of star wars of you know uh beings from a thousand worlds so it makes it feel like different and fantastic and fun uh but without the subtitles so it's it is still accessible to young kids uh, yeah which is something you have to be aware of right when you're putting this together yeah absolutely it, yeah. It, it's always a weird line you know i'm glad java doesn't say you know hey han what's up buddy like i'm, I'm <laughs> glad that's not the case but i like the bib for tunas that are translated like, yeah it works in boston that's that just really works for me yeah, and, and this is something where Lucas does make different choices uh, throughout the years of when to subtitle and when not to subtitle. But, you know, uh, taking him at his sort of creative word that the Phantom Menace was very much uh, keeping in mind of uh, kids watching this, that that is a part of it. I also like for me that there is uh, room to just uh, intuit. Like, what does tick, tick, tick mean? Like, I, I think we all kind of get the mood of what that means. Yeah, it's yeah. it seems like a I'm uh, hello. I'm not happy you're here. <laughs> There's a little frustration through it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is it is it something that is that's a that's a common that's a greeting that the leader says? Is that just that's Boss Nass's thing? You know, like yeah. I like that there is room to wonder. There's room to dream on that one. Yeah, yeah. There might be a little bit of a tick or something going on. I don't know, but I, when it pops back up, I just it, it, it's almost like it's almost like he's like swallowing hard so you know, <laughs> we got to deal with this yeah there's a little bit of that i've i've, I've inferred it which is again part of the part of the way because even you writing this down taking the direct translation for the subtitles i've always taken it disarmy of mechanics up there is new is new we saw like i thought he was saying it's you for years oh okay yeah you know which doesn't really factor much into my discussion here today but like you know there was part of me of him play, like you're all the same Naboo, you, whatever. And you brought the problems here, which is, 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 makes some sense too for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In mechaniques, that mm -hmm. word that's like, uh, very clear what it is to mm -hmm. me has always been clear. It's like, I've always liked that word. So I love old yes. mechaniques. Yes. Uh, so Qui-Gon responds, a droid army is about to attack the Naboo. We must warn them. Uh, boss Nass, uh, counters, we know like a Naboo, tick, tick, tick again. The Naboo think they so smarty. <laughs> <laughs> they think they brain so big. Yes. Uh, so is this an important moment to you that Boss Nass clearly communicates not only his displeasure with the Naboo, but kind of uh, why he is not a fan of the Naboo? Is this an important moment to you and why? 
I think it's a very important moment. But there's a shot prior to this uh, you, you touched upon a little bit, but when we're going, it's one. It's a great shot from the trailer or one of the trailers, right? Jar Jar swimming and you see the city and it's it's a beautiful Star Wars shot. Uh, I don't ever want to overlook that. But also it just sets up as really great as a fan. For me, it was a really great appreciation of this culture we're going to. We just met Jar Jar. You might be having some Jar Jar issues, but here's where he comes from. Here's who he is. And you've already seen uh, and got a, maybe a sense, even from the trailers and previews and, and, and publications getting us ready for the film, you got a sense of Naboo and 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 Padme or Amidala. And, you know, you appreciate uh, the, the culture of Naboo right away, but the Gungans are there too. And we're just seeing this wonderful shot of their city. And here's Boss Nass going, no, I don't care. Look, they, we're, we're separated for a reason the way they've treated us, I, I think it's really big stuff. And 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 Qui Gon is, is he's frustrated up top, right? Don't you get that feeling if he's just like a droid army is about to attack them? But we must warn them. That's what we have to do. Yes, he's on a mission. Yeah, and Boss Nass is like, ain't no thing for us, man. We're gonna be just <laughs> fine, and they they might deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Uh, yeah, I think it really it establishes two cultures with baggage, right? Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, because there can be a story of of cultures not getting along or, or one culture being cruel to another because they don't know one another. They don't understand each other. It's it's yep. the fear of the unknown. This doesn't have that baggage to it. This has the, uh, we know each other. We don't like each other. They yep. think they are better than us. Look at our awesome city with our awesome tech. We are not less than. And those uh, land bastards... <laughs> think we are less than you know yeah that yeah. that tells a real story of like i think what's very important about that and what is table setting to the story and you know the plot and the actual story the themes of phantom menace is uh these are cultures who have every reason not to work together there has yeah. been problems and this is not just an easy fix that we're going to see happen you know so it yeah. sets up the gungans and the naboo uh to really get past these problems and, and follow shmi's wisdom of no one in the universe helps each other right yeah and it's a big moment later on and we keep coming to that i mean maybe eventually we'll do scene by scene part two on this with, with, with the jar jar and padme scene you said said people are gonna die can get mocked all, all to the ends of time it's still an important scene because padme realizes she cannot save her people until she sees her planet as one right it's mm -hmm. pretty explicit and and whereas boss nass has a right to be upset we don't know the exact history we're not here to exactly translate it to real world situations and real world histories um it, it it touches on that stuff to be clear but so we're talking about the naboo and the gungans right now i also think boss nass might have been maybe a little bit wrong to isolate we don't know the whole story there but it's why it's important for the queen to not just go all right guess, guess what change of plans you're we're all on the same team she has to make amends for it she has to acknowledge who they are. And and I, I think that's a powerful moment, too. And all that stems from what we're talking about here. All the things later on in Phantom Menace, all the great things I think Padme does, all the great things the Gungans and the sacrifices they make and the starting up of the shields all goes back to exactly this line that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It, it starts the journey of, oh, we have a problem with the Naboo because they're a culture that thinks they're better than us. And here's the Naboo queen literally saying, I'm not better than you. In fact, I would love to work with you. I need your help. Uh, and I, I want us to work together. And I don't think that we are better than you is, you know, that journey gets set up here. 
Yeah, and it's a brave moment for Padme, a 14-year-old queen going, I must change who knows how long of, of problems in this relationship between our, our, our cultures. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a powerful thing to have that, um, that idea be expressed uh, by Anakin and Shmi's wisdom and see it uh, expressed in, in lots of different macro mm-hmm. and micro versions throughout the film. So Obi-Wan responds, uh, once those droids take control of the surface, they will take control of you. Boss Nass says, Misa no Tinkso, they not know of usin. Then Obi-Wan says, the big line, you and the Naboo form a symbiont circle. What happens to one of you will affect the other. You must understand this. I've always loved that line. I'm so excited to talk about this line. Uh, <laughs> two questions here, Ken. Uh, what's yeah. the importance of this idea that uh, Obi-Wan is communicating it? And what does it tell us that Obi-Wan is the person saying it? Uh, it, it, it um, tells that he's got a, he's got a good handle on points of view and, and how they need to change. <laughs> no, um, this is, this is to me, it's, I don't want to say the theme of the movie, but it's, it's what's going on here, right? It, it's so directly stated. It's what George is putting into this and this, this carries all the way out. And, and I think, I think you and I are of the opinion that this, uh, this tracks all the way to the battle of Exegol. Mm-hmm. More of us, Poe, there's more of us, Poe. You and I have talked a lot about that lately there. So that's why I think this scene is an, it, it, this moment is very important. And, and again, I love, there's a little bit of frustration in Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, but now Obi-Wan's, he's got a little heat. He's got a little heat behind the line. <laughs> must understand this. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I totally agree. I think this is a really powerful line to just be, uh, explicit um, symbiont uh, definition in our uh, earth world is an organism living in symbiosis with another. It is obviously uh, an idea that's uh, living with the explanation of midi-chlorians. Uh, midi-chlorians, I think, are a way to continue this same idea of every being is being assisted by other beings in, in every way, on down to the cellular level, to the practical level, to the interpersonal one-on-one level, to the larger society level. It's like kind of it's taking this idea of empathy and connection and helping one another and showing it on the societal level here, the interpersonal level uh, with Anakin, and then like the cellular level with the midi-chlorians. It's like a yeah. very important idea. I do think it is about empathy. I think it's about being willing to understand others and say i don't think i'm better than you i think we can work together i think we can work this out uh trying to understand where other people are coming from but i think what's really powerful about this uh, gungan naboo relationship that gets set up here is it's taking this argument that's that's all through star wars that that we're all connected the the forces everywhere we're luminous we all live together uh and it's making this real specific argument with the gungan and the naboo that helping others isn't just like, yes, you should do that. It's selfless. It's great. Help others. It's making the argument that helping others is also helping yourself. Mm -hmm. That the galaxy is not a zero-sum, winner-takes-all game. That if we all work to better everyone, things will be better for everyone. Not if you help someone else. That means you are automatically losing something yourself. Because it's, it's a circle. Rising tides help all the bongos. Is that <laughs> yes? Is that, That's the that short that? way to say what I was trying to say. Uh, and so I want to. I, uh, um, before we get into the Obi Wan of it all, I, in terms of, was it say, tell that Obi Wan is the person saying it? I, I, I have a thought. I don't know. I don't know if this is right. 
I'm asking you, uh, <laughs> Force Center Obi Wan uh, uh, expert here. Of I love because Obi Wan believes all this. He knows it's true, and it's he knows it's true in theory. But I love that Obi Wan several times, even even already with with Jar Jar, he's got a. Well, what's this person going to do to help us? <laughs> who's who's this? A local says Qui Gon. Yeah, and have you picked up another pathetic life form? Obi Wan yeah. is uh is quite salty. Yes. Yeah, I I don't say not criticizing Obi Wan, you know, but it's like okay, he's the younger one here, so it's like along the way is he got to apply some of the knowledge he has. Just a random thought. I don't think necessarily. Has, I don't know. I don't want to go too far. Down I, no, that. I I I agree with you. I think I think that's what is interesting to me. I love Obi Wan. I love him because he's flawed, and I love him because we get to see him grow. And he starts out like he is this uh, young guy who's ready to be a Jedi. He's ready to prove himself. Uh, and what he's saying is, uh, you know, accurate to the philosophy of the Jedi. It is accurate to uh, the actual functioning of of societies and Obi Wan's opinion. Uh, but it does come across as really just youthful and haughty. And it comes off to me as I studied this in the Jedi Temple since I was three. It's obvious. Everyone knows <laughs> that cultures living together on planets form symbiont circles. And you can't just say, ah, whatever happens to that part of the planet won't affect me. Yes, it will. This is just basic stuff. This is two plus two equals four. Come on, boss Nass. So yeah, on one hand, he's, he's saying something like beautiful and true that I think the film yeah. argues for. But he's saying it from this youthful perspective of it's obvious to me because I know it. Why, why doesn't everybody know this? Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, how do you, how do you not just get them to know, but how do you work with them? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that that difference between the you know, th- I'll go to your uh, your your baseball coaching, right? It's one mm-hmm. thing to tell somebody; it's a, another thing to help them experience it themselves, so they yeah. learn and experience it. You know, uh, and I I love that it's Obi Wan just being like, "Come on, did you not read the the homework?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Boss Nass uh, is not buying what Obi Wan's selling. Uh, he reiterates, uh, we should know Karen about the Naboo. Uh, Qui-Gon changes the subject with a, a light little Jedi mind trick, waving his hand, waving his hand and saying, then speed us on our way. Uh, Boss Nass responds, we's are going to speed you away. Speed use away. Uh, so what is your thought here? Um, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan's trying to kind of engage him in a, if not philosophical debate, uh, Obi-Wan's trying to tell him philosophy that Boss Nass should agree with. It's clear he's not going to because Boss Nass just reiterates that he doesn't like the Naboo, uh, period. And so Qui-Gon changes the subject with a Jedi mind trick. What's the morality here? What are your Qui-Gon thoughts? <laughs> oh, man, we just did that Qui-Gon episode and, and we know him using the, the mind trick later on with Watu. People have opinions on it. Yeah, we understand in some in some um, text, uh, Watu had some weighted dice, and all that. All that to me goes to what I said a little bit earlier of of Qui Gon aiming towards the greater good, the greater good for your hot fuzz fans. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> this idea that I, he knows all caps knows boss boss Nass is a dead end right now. Uh, could they deal with it some other time? Do they need to deal with it? Uh, as far as he knows, he just needs to get to his next part of the mission, right? He's, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know Anakin's coming down the pipeline yet. He doesn't know any of that, but Qui-Gon's tied into going towards the light as we know. And and if there's a dead end, I think he's going to do things for the greater good. The, you, you were saying some George Lucas stuff earlier. I don't have time to look up these specific story, but do you remember the tale? And I, I'm, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing, uh, paraphrasing a lot of, of a long time ago, uh, George wanted to build some low income housing, uh, housing and, and folks in, in the neighborhood, 
maybe a little bit uh, too uh, high, muddy and snooty for it. And so uh, George just started like doing it, like buying land and doing it <laughs> like, like and, and I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing a story that I kind of remember in the back of my mind. I think there's a little bit of George in a way just going, all right, uh, this is for the greater good. You're not on board. Awesome. Mind trick. Get us on our way. It's my beat us on our way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, boy, boy. You know, I, I, I think a lot of us have probably found ourselves in, uh, in meetings yeah. <laughs> or in front of a council. Like we've been given an assignment to fix a problem and then the, you're, you're not getting anywhere. Well then just speed me on my way and let me try to take care of the problem. I think that's yeah. absolutely what's going on here. I think it's a great difference between, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan's like, well, let me engage you uh, on this sort of a philosophical debate and try to get you to see it, uh, you know, from what Obi-Wan thinks in that moment is the right way. And Qui-Gon's like, yeah, 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 no, we, we're we not going to change his mind right now. <laughs> yeah. We have something to do. I've, I, have been, I have stood in front of rigid authority that I need to get past in order to help people immediately. Those droids are coming. I need to save people by warning the Naboo about the attack. I don't have the time to try to change the mind of rigid authority right now. I think that's what's going on. And he knows he can. He can't, you know, I would love to see him, he and Mace and Yoda get into a mind trick battle later on. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen there. He knows, but even what does he do up there? Like you can't train Anakin. All right, cool. Hey, so I'm going to train Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like great. Uh, then speed us on our way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to start using that one in day to day life. <laughs> uh, you want to do it that way? I have valid concerns. I'm, Speed us on our way. Uh, all right. So Qui-Gon gets uh, practical with another Jedi mind trick wave as he says, we could use a transport. And Boss Nass says, we give you a unabongo. Jar Jar in handcuffs is alarmed, saying, hmm? Uh, Boss Nass finishes by saying in a massively menacing voice, the speediest way to Naboo is going through the planet core. And then getting as low as possible, now go. <laughs> yes excellent. Uh, excellent is this boss nass's best line ken i think it i think there's some other great lines that that even follow uh the punish one i, I just love i just love the take on that one this is the one and yeah back mod garrett and i could make each other laugh instantly just doing uh, the same planet core on and off air so i'm I just real partial to this line i love it but it's it, it's 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 like Nass saying, yeah, he may have had a little mind trick on him, but I I I I think Matt Nass is playing the game. We're 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 in a chess game now. Okay, Peace yeah, we've game. entered the chess game. Yeah, we have we have entered the great game now, uh, and I think he he's probably like like I, I think I think the mind trick worked away. I'm not saying Nass was like like Wadu, like that oh, doesn't work on me. But let me, I think a little bit of there. But he 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 doesn't care. Nass, Nass, this is this is his way. He's using speed us on our way in in his own way. Yeah, get out of here. Take what you obviously he literally means go through the planet core. But are you saying that in Gungan society, this is kind of a way to say, well, then f off, right? All right, you know what? Then just go through the planet core. You're not supposed to be here. You want me to make peace with these people who don't like us, don't value us. You want me to put my culture, my people, my army in danger. Um, and all it takes. What, it's it's that movie, was it a, a boy's life? Like, uh, you know, he owes me $20. You'll never see him again. The $20 is the cost to get him out of your life. Uno <laughs> Bongo is the cost to get these two interlopers out of his life. Good. Yes. And and going through the planet core is kind of like that. Oh, oh, you need to get, oh, just, he, oh, you just head the planet course real quick. Just take the road. You'll die on the way. Just don't worry about that. And yeah. and that, that's me why Jar Jar is like, 
mm, he's starting to 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 realize that the setup the setup is going and and I, I, that's the way I interpret the scene. It might just be mine. And Qui Gon's like, great, uh, will whatever, whether he's fully aware it's a trap or not. I don't think he cares at this point. And and I think that's uh, why I love this line. There's a lot in that, and it's just a fun line. And then yeah. but the, it, it's it's the buck stop. Get out of here now. Go conversation over. Yeah, conversation over for sure. And we'll dive a little bit more into that Jedi mind trick because I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit. I'm I'm very curious about the uh, effect level of the Jedi mind trick in your mind. But yeah, the the spirit of it is very clear. Of uh, I've. I've said what I've had to say. Uh, you got to go now. And the yeah. way you're going's not going to be fun, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. the delivery of planet core. And I think I've always been like, ah, this is a weird fish guy. Now he reminds me of a lawn gnome. And suddenly he's speaking like a vampire. <laughs> that line has always had like a vampire vibe to me. Uh, yes. and I, I don't know why, but I love it. I expect uh, Dracula to turn to the screen and say planet core. Um, I also just love it because... The Phantom Menace has its uh, its mind on on all of these big uh, themes in, in this philosophy of uh, empathy and connection and helping one another. Um, rising tides <laughs> lift all bongos, as you said. Uh, but it's also like very much attached to that spirit of adventure serial and what adventure is next in the planet core and the underlining of the utter doom right is mm. is such a big part of this of like uh hey this is a conversation but guess what everybody another you know adventure serial challenge is coming up in oh, just yeah. a moment the planet core is a not a happy place it's gonna be real exciting when those jedi go through oh man it, it's such a 50s sci-fi thing right we gotta go through the planet core what <laughs> yeah and it's also just one of those places where star wars is like science yeah not our concern yeah. Uh, TIE fighters make noises in space. This planet's core is water. <laughs> Good. That's the way it is. <laughs> Enjoy Star Wars. <laughs> there it is. And he speeds them on their way. Uh, Qui-Gon says, thank you for your help. We leave in peace with a little bow. Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to leave in peace for a moment. We're going to take a short break and we will be back to finish our discussion of Boss Nass's Throne of Judgment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back in the boss Ness's throne of judgment. Uh, so Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are now turning to leave. Obi-Wan asks, uh, Master, what's a bongo? And Qui-Gon answers, a transport, I hope. Very Jedi, very going uh, with the flow. Uh, Jar Jar leans forward and says, Dace is setting you up. Going through the planet core is bad bombing. So this is where I want to really dig in, Ken. Uh, Qui-Gon uh, did the mind trick uh, for a transport in particular. Uh, well, just for letting them go and then for specifically and give us a transport. Uh, and so Boss Nass uh, does the normal Jedi mind trick of I repeat exactly what you said. And then he adds a bunch of terrifying sounding things in a way that he says it in a way that is clearly meant <laughs> to intimidate the Jedi. So does that make you feel like the mind trick actually worked only half worked? Is Boss Nass sacrificing a bongo on purpose, hoping that these pushy outsiders will be devoured in the planet core? Yeah, I mean, clearly I was so excited about this. I charged ahead on my Boss Nass thoughts. <laughs> I, I, I think, and I'm going back to, in, in 99, I took it all as, um, 
I think I was, I think I was right. I think, I think it worked number one. Cause it, it, it that's the indication that it worked, right. That he repeats it back. That's yeah. Learn all the way back in new hope. So I, I have no doubts there. And then I just thought, I kind of thought back in 99 that he was like, Oh, he's not, a, he's not a bad guy. He's helping him. Um, he doesn't know that there's three giant monsters there that he made him. <laughs> But now clearly he knows and, and clearly Jar Jar knows and all this stuff. So I think it's a, I think it's a little column A, little column B situation here. I, I, I would love to know the effects and I, I'm not talking about in some book explaining it. I would love to talk to someone who's had a force mind trick used on them. I don't, is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because is it cloudy? Is it foggy? Do you realize you did it? Does the sentence end and you go, whoa, I said that which we've all, you know, podcast enough in time uh, in, in your life uh, or, or just during a week, you suddenly find yourself in, in a paragraph you didn't know you started uh, that happens. Or, and does he emerge or or does he, is he palpatining a little bit where sometimes the plan goes awry, but then you adjust and you're like, oh, okay, they, they want a bongo. Oh, that's perfect. Send him to the planet core. I don't know the answer. I think I think that from my interpretation, that's what happens. He, he falls for it, but then he's like, all right, all things considered, it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me, it seems like the, the Gungans are aware of the Force, uh, and maybe Boss Nass is aware of Jedi. Maybe he's interacted with them uh, before, and they've been around a long time. Uh, maybe he's a little bit aware of mind tricks. I think it, yeah, I think it works, but I don't think it fully works. Like, mm -hmm. there's also just, there seems to be levels to Jedi mind tricks, which makes sense to me, right, of like, there's a just reach in as we see like in in the sequel of like in just invasively take what you want right there's mm -hmm. kind of that real that that's that impression that rated a real strong one on those two first order troops where they're like yeah. uh, not just saying the thing that she wants them to believe but they're like <laughs> yes anding it and saying like yeah. and it's great that you're here right yeah there's something about Qui-Gon's that's just like I, I really don't have time to, for a pushback so I'm kind of gonna say what I mean mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna give it a little extra push. Yeah. With the mind trick. And I like the idea that it's like, yeah, no, um, Boss Nass feels uh, compelled. Like, yeah, no, I'm going to give you a transport. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm also going to send you the most dangerous way. And I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I tend to believe Jar Jar that uh, that Nass is setting him up, you know? A hundred percent. It's funny. You made me think that that moment in Rise of Skywalker, there's a couple moments with Ray, right? But I, I love that. Poe and Finn have that little beat of like, does she wait? Does she do that to us? It's a fair question to ask, which which puts the the power of mind control, uh, the the morality of it does rest on the shoulders of those using it. It's a big thing, right? And I know yeah. we've seen some of that in uh, the High Republic of the early uh, early days of kind of using that in a way. Yeah, yeah, and different names for it to uh, wrestle with the level of morality. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, but it definitely does seem like when uh, Boss Nass says Planet Core, he is entirely aware that he is sending them somewhere dangerous, or else he should really reconsider how he says Planet Core. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. It's true. <laughs> so uh, after this warning from Jar Jar that they are being set up and that going through the Planet Core is bad bombing, Jar Jar asks for help, saying, hmm, any help here would be hot, uh, showing his shackles. Uh, Qui-Gon turns, and Obi-Wan's not thrilled uh, seeing that Qui-Gon is turning to engage. Uh, Obi-Wan says, Master, we are short on time. Qui-Gon responds, we'll need a navigator to get us through the planet's core. This Gungan may be of help. So what's the importance of this moment for you? you? What's the uh, significance um, that uh, Qui-Gon is uh, turning to get help from someone and the significance that so much of the scene is really starting to echo 
Qui-Gon's relationship with Anakin later in the film. Yeah, I mean, you almost feel like Qui-Gon also, he says, we'll need a navigator to get us to the planet's core. This Gungan may have be of help. You see, Obi-Wan, we're all a symbiotic circle. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of that. Again, I, I really, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, we're not here to hammer on Obi-Wan and his shortcomings. He, he's, he's one of the greatest characters, but this is an early version of him. He's learning the lessons and he's seeing it in play. And I think Qui-Gon's got a handle of that. And I think it's, it's very important. It's just, again, setting up the theme of, of, of Qui-Gon's going to be open to this stuff. I think other Jedi would not, maybe even Obi-Wan himself, if it's just him running into the Skywalker uh, family on, on uh, Mos Espa, like, would he have been open to the, even the possibility mm. of, 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 of connecting with all living beings in the galaxy and seeing their purpose and seeing their worth. It's a pretty big thing. And it's a big thing. Um, you know, it's what you want out of the Jedi, right? Uh, you would think, uh, and all living things have a part to play in the story. And Qui-Gon's very aware of that. And it starts here. Um, is it a little tit for tat? Is it a little bit of like, I'll help you. You help me. Yeah, that's fine. But, that's the point a little bit here. All <laughs> rising tides and bongos. And exactly. Yeah, no, I think it is just a great demonstration of Qui-Gon having empathy and mm-hmm. not in this like, uh, yeah, I now want to be Jar Jar's best friend. Uh, you know, he still seems annoyed by Jar Jar. He very much so. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, very much so. this guy's uh, clumsy, loud. Uh, he definitely uh, reacts to everything with fear. Uh, that is mm-hmm. not Qui-Gon's thing. He's got a lot of important stuff to do. So it it almost makes the empathy even more powerful to me of like Qui-Gon does seem annoyed by Jar Jar and does have concerns about Jar Jar. But it is such an animating belief, it seems, from Qui-Gon that everyone's equal in the force. Anyone can have value. And on the surface, Jar Jar does not seem super valuable. He seems, in fact, maybe uh, a a lot to handle and maybe that he would cause problems the way Obi-Wan is kind of seeing him. But Qui-Gon is just so enmeshed in like, see, everyone is having value, you know? Yeah. And that picture of Jar Jar that then really extends the Gungans, which then translates to the Ewoks, which then translates to the sort of chain of empathy and kindness and everyone has value that's so important in Rise of Skywalker. It's just a really important moment of, uh, yeah, this uh, this person, Jar Jar, we, we found ourselves together. Uh, we're already in this cycle of helping one another. Uh, he got in my way. I, I saved him. Uh, and then he helped us by bringing us to this city. And now he needs help. And maybe if I help him here, he'll be able to help us again. It's just really this, uh, this commitment to empathy. We're all connected. Everyone has value. Let's help each other. Yeah. And I love, uh, I love that it's, it's, it's not easy for Qui-Gon in a way, right? Even, even their meeting was such a boom, get out of the way. Um, and that, that if Qui-Gon's tuned into the force and, and they're like, he's got it, uh, this still, ha- this guy, this, this, he's still helping us. It's still important. There's something going on here. I can't ignore it. And then, and you know, he, he looks like he was prepared to leave him there. Right. <laughs> I mean, but then realizing, wait, something's happening. Something's calling. And I love, but I love that it's not easy. Qui-Gon's not, Hey, my new best bud. I love hanging out with you. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and how that reflects how, how, how a little lesson again for Obi-Wan only, only cause this is Padawan Kenobi that we're talking about here. We know at the end of the day, he's not super thrilled with the Anakin thing, right? He's, he's doing it. And that, that, that's a little bit of their relationship, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship. We know it's strained at times, but we don't really learn that till way later on in 1989. We're just taking it as face value. So I like that. It's a, it's not a, it, practice what you preach. And it's not always easy. 
Yeah, yeah, and Qui Gon is really teaching uh, uh, by demonstrating, and and you can I can have some empathy for Obi Wan of like he's got this bond with his master, he's uh, really wanting to uh, impress and please his master and and move on to the Jedi trials, and uh, every time they go on a mission, Qui Gon's just uh, getting a bunch of other. <laughs> <laughs> from Obi Wan's perspective, uh, uh, annoying weirdos to go with them. Like, here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, the Padawan Kenobi is is uh, is an interesting character for a lot of reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. And then what I like is, unless it happens off screen, Jar Jar is mostly distracting and annoying on the actual trip through the planet core. And they, in fact, even have a debate about, like, uh, well, the, the force is going to help us through. And, <laughs> and just maxi big to force. Uh, so I like that Qui-Gon's like, he might help us with the navigation. Yeah, not really. But, you know, mm. he's, uh, he's a creature under my care. He's a person under my care. <laughs> yeah. He has value. Uh, he's, he's formed this debt with life, debt with this bond with me. Uh, we'll play this out. And he, of course, ends up having massive value in changing everything because he brings Padme and the Gungans together. Uh, so Qui-Gon, uh, making these decisions, uh, returns to the speaking circle, back to the authority, and asks, what is to become of Jar Jar Binks here? Boss Nass says, hissing to be punished, and a big, big, nasty smile. It's not a good <laughs> smile. It is not a good smile. That is de- he, he is the gungan who stole Christmas right there, right? <laughs> he is. <laughs> So good. Watching this morning over a cup of coffee, I was like, he is happy. Punish, Punish. a nice word for what they're about to do. Jar Jar hangs his head and groans. Oh. So we've talked about a lot of nice things about how this film is uh, for children. It teaches wonderful values of empathy and connection. What awful thing is going to happen to Jar Jar? What are we talking about here? I, I we're not. I don't want to make light of. It. I mean, I think there's some physical pain involved. I think there's uh, uh, imprisonment. I don't know. I've been watching uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen recently. I've just been on a kick with those uh, Stoderberg remakes, uh, uh, remake of Ocean Eleven. And I just think of uh, uh, Terry Benedict of just like, oh, he doesn't just get you. He gets your family. He takes. He'll 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 bankrupt your cousin's mattress business. Like I'm just <laughs> like Boss Nash to me. It's it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm also thinking of uh, Alec Baldwin in the cooler. Like what? Are you doing behind the closed, you know, closed doors? Tarples, uh, turn off the cameras. I don't think it's good, and I and I think it's not just physical. I I do think there's some incarceration, some stripping of family rights or inherited. There's something going on with Jar Jar. It, it's bad. It's bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. It is certainly portrayed as not great. Uh, yeah. I'm extrapolating. I'm just uh, th- I'm doing some some head cannon here. It mm-hmm. seems like Gungans like to test character by forcing dangerous positions on people. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even when boss Nass is in theory happy with Jar Jar that he brought the Nibu and the Gungans uh, together, he rewards him by making him a bomb bad general and without, mm-hmm. uh, you know, much training that we're aware of <laughs> giving him a chance to prove himself on the battlefield. I mean, the p- position wasn't made available for HR to interview a lot of candidates <laughs> just in the field, no qualifications. And if that's Boss Nass rewarding Jar Jar, <laughs> what is he going to do when he's punishing uh, Jar Jar, right? Like, I wonder, to me, it's like my headcanon is like, there are many dangerous things that are, are needed to maintain the beautiful city of Odagunga that there's like, uh, go down and fix this exposed wire in the water. Why don't you do that, Jar Jar? Like, that, that they just give him dangerous tasks 
and maybe, maybe if he accomplishes them without, you know, horrific injury, uh, then he will slowly work his way back into society. But it's not going to be good. Yeah, whatever the Gungan equivalent of Spice Mines of uh, Kessel type of punishment, uh, you know, going on here. Uh, could be it. Could be it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A fun mystery of how awful the punishment <laughs> is. So uh, Qui-Gon tells Boss Nass, uh, I saved his life. He owes me what you call a life debt. Uh, Qui-Gon throws out another little Jedi mind trick hand wave and says, your gods demand that his life belongs to me now. Uh, so I will uh, point out that uh, he is quoting Jar Jar. Uh, when they meet, Jar Jar says, Misa, your humble servant. Uh, Qui-Gon says, won't be necessary. And uh, uh, then Jar Jar says, tis demanded by the gods it is. So uh, Qui-Gon is, is listening to Jar Jar. This is not a thing he's making up in the moment. Mm-hmm. But still, he's talking about what the Gungans' gods demand in their society and doing it with a little mind trick. Is Qui-Gon respecting the Gungans here? Uh, to be determined. I think it shows a, an understanding. Like you said, it shows that he's listened. The life he, because we don't, correct me if I'm wrong, we don't hear Jar Jar say life debt, do we? Or do we not? Uh, no, but but uh, in Boss Nass's response, they, they do have a, a word for it. So it does yeah. seem like Qui-Gon has interpreted what, uh, what Jar Jar said correctly. Right. He having the life play in, indeed. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's Qui-Gon. He's not, he's not, he's not trying to overpower him, you know, subtle force trick, maybe aside, we can talk about that, but he's, he's trying to show an understanding. He's trying to show respect, but again, speed me on my way, man. <laughs> like, come on. If you want to fight the mechanics, someone's going to have to. Yeah. The mechanics are coming. I gotta go. I gotta warn the Naboo. Uh, I don't think they're so smarty. I don't think their brains are that big. I need to warn them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it really is a, it's such a weird mix because he is, he's helping Jar Jar, uh, listening to the fact that, you know, he's going to be punished uh, and respecting that Jar Jar said, hey, this is the deal in my culture. You saved my life. I owe you. Uh, So in one way, he's just like being very respectful, but (laughs) by throwing in the hand wave is a little, it's a little pushy. Uh, But, you know, I think that's, uh, that's maybe the Qui-Gon we're seeing of like, I, I'm, uh, Qui-Gon in the early half of the movie before he kind of has this uh, this awakening I think by um, it's subtle but to me this awakening of, of attitude when he encounters Anakin mm-hmm. that there is a real like oh, man I am uh, I am tired of this galaxy <laughs> and I, I'm tired of running into the same damn problems and I yeah. gotta go speed me on my way damn it I, I think there's I've always taken from Qui-Gon and this is before a lot of supplemental canon material came up to just kind of expand this, uh, this idea of who Qui-Gon is. But uh, it's heavier, it's spiritual, but I've always taken a little bit of Qui-Gon just going, how many days do I retire? I'm right. So tired of this. But he's he's always going to push towards the greater good and towards the light. So he's still going to do his job. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, uh, he, he's respectful with a push. Yeah. But, but to, to <laughs> which your point, I think is uh, open to interpretation, whether it's re- be respectful to be respectful with a push. Yeah. Yeah. But, but to your point later on w- with Anakin, when it, when it, don- yeah, when it dawns on, we said that conversation with Shmi and she's like, yeah, no, no father. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of a spiritual reawakening and uh, maybe some confirmations and some uh, rewards for faith. I, I think there's some big Qui-Gon stuff going on later on. And, and I think you're right to point it out. Difference. Awesome. Awesome. Good. Good. I'm not imagining Qui-Gon things. <laughs> no. 
So uh, Boss Nass confirms, uh, mind trick or no, whether it's effective, uh, that what Qui-Gon is interpreting about the Gungan culture from Jar Jar is correct, because he says, Yusa having the life play with this and hissing. Uh, and Jar Jar responds, mm, uh-huh. Uh, then Boss Nass does his big Boss Nass thing. Mm. <laughs> this is the thing that if like Boss Nass did a concert, everybody would be, do that, do that. Yeah. Uh, he shakes his head, throwing spittle around. Uh, the subtitles label it as loud blubbering. And then he proclaims in his big moment of judgment, be gone with him. <laughs> mm. So mm. how do you interpret the loud blubbering? Uh, what is that? And why is Boss Nass making this decision? Yeah, I'll tell you, what, if if tick, tick, tick is frustration, this is all out just uh, anger and uh, resignation and knowing when you're defeated. This is a, a chess a game. Um uh, a holo chess game. There's, we got a bit of a checkmate here from Qui Gon. Boss <laughs> knows because he's in, he's invoked something, right? He's invoked that your gods demand this. That's why I love. I mean, you're so having the life play with this and hissing. I mean, he's just like, God damn it, man! <laughs> I thought I had it, and I really want to punish you, and now I can't. <laughs> he's upset. He's upset. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. There does definitely seem some frustration. I think I also have just started to to take it as, uh, like that is that's maybe Boss Nass's version of Quills. I have spoken, except for with actual like governmental societal power behind it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because doesn't he do? Uh, he does a similar thing with uh, Padme mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, they decide to make their their bond. That's true, right? So yeah, so so that one I would say is less angry, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a happier blubbering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two sides, one coin. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I have no idea if that's what it is, but I do kind of like it as like uh, this is the this is like the Gungan version of like many cultures taking like a gavel or a stone and going bunk. So it is. Yes. Yes. It's very different. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. Still, still say, uh, I still say it's two sides, one blubber, but I, I think it is kind of a, yeah, end of conversation or, or big decision made. Oh, I like that interpretation. Yeah. 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 But I, I like your interpretation too of it's just like anger of like, I have tried to be done with this conversation since it began. Yes. <laughs> what yes. other uh, activities did they interrupt with this? Uh, I also just kind of like that. Okay, well, the life debt, the life play is a real thing when he's asking him. It, it almost has this to me this sort of like a judge quality of like, Jar Jar, is this true? Because you know that's how this works if that's true. Right. So like, why didn't you just tell me that first thing? Right. <laughs> so like the life debt, life play is a real thing. Mm. And in some ways, like maybe Boss Nass was excited to punish yeah. <laughs> Jar Jar. He certainly seems like it with that smile. But it also makes Jar Jar not his problem. Of like, well, go. Uh, I think they're all going to die in my bongo that I'm sacrificing. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A little dark. A little dark tone now, right? <laughs> from from Boss Nass. Yes. This is the. Uh, this is showing the stasis, the place from which Boss Nass can grow. Yeah. Yeah. And ma- and maybe hey, look, and maybe Nass later on thinks there's a lot of things going on. He's very happy with Jar Jar bringing uh, peace between them and the Naboo, right? But also maybe there's a little bit of respect from Boss Nass. Old Rugar Nass is like, well, you did get him through the Planet Corps. He doesn't know what happened. Eh, you did come out of the other side. Yeah. 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 Well, certainly. Yeah. There's certainly a lot of respect by the time of the Bombad General promotion. Yeah. So uh, as we wrap up the scene here, Jar Jar is released from his cuffs. He realizes uh, once again that he has no good options, saying, count me out of this one. Better dead here than dead in the core. And then questions himself yet again. Ye gods, what is Misa saying? 
<laughs> is this a relatable moment of comedy from Jar Jar? Well, first of all, we really do get our answer. Better dead here. He's dying. <laughs> That's true. But he could be being melodramatic, right? He could be. He could be like, they're not going to let me play video games. I'm going to die. <laughs> Uh, I don't get kombucha. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's telling there. Uh, I actually, so this is, and it and it's a little chaotic moment. And I do remember going, well, what? Where's Jar Jar thinking here? But I, I, I do at the end of the day, I really do love this Jar Jar moment. Uh, you gods, what does Misa say? Like, just like it is, it's Jar Jar often succeeds in spite of himself, right? He, he, he did some even some stuff later on. We see. Um, uh, it might be clumsy to a fault, but clumsy to a victory as well. And I think going back to your point, man, he, he's always down and out, but sometimes he does it to himself. And this is one of those moments where it's just like, what am I doing? <laughs> God, and we've all had those moments. Uh, yes. You know, I'm two handfuls into ding dongs going, what am I doing? No wonder I'm <laughs> gaining weight. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> well, what do you want to do? Not eat a ding dong? Well, yeah, no, I guess that's a good point. I do want to eat a ding dong. That's, that's why hard. I was here. Yeah. Very hard for me. It's very hard not to eat ding-dongs. Yeah, I think it it feels to me like when he offered help at the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll take you to my city. Wait, no, that's a terrible idea. Oh, now they're reminding me that a terrible thing is going to happen to me if I stay here. Mm -hmm. And it just paints Jar Jar as like, okay, well, let me think through my options. Okay. Yeah. Three, two to three terrible options always. Great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so and in some ways it's a little bit relatable of that like yeah look life is uh life is challenging and sometimes you know you have your pick of two scary options but you know you, you got to choose your path like i think it's a comedy moment i think it's meant as comedy but in terms of the general sort of uh uh oeuvre of jar jar that he panics and it's this funny comedy thing uh but it is ultimately like well choose your path because everybody has to and i think that's what he's yeah. doing here of like uh yeah he says better dead here than dead in the core but he knows it isn't true so he goes to the core yeah good job yeah good job jar jar uh and of course it's the right choice because he eventually does help bring the gungans and the naboo together so that's it uh, for the scene itself i have a couple of conclusion questions ken mm-hmm. uh what do you think boss nass and his council talk about when jar jar and the jedi leave um, I, I think, um, I think he's, we don't really know the council too well. And maybe there's some EU or supplemental material with, uh, names and, uh, you know, ranks and whatnots. But I think there's a little bit of, uh, more blubbering. I think NASA is really upset that he's lost Jar Jar, a little bit of that. But I think, I think there might, one point might be a, I'd love to think that there's a serious discussion at some point about what is happening and what is the threat and what is, are, are they saying what there's is what the, these Jedi are saying true on any level. And then that it resonates with Nass at, at some point. Uh, I think he's a good leader. I think he's a proud leader. And I think uh, he does what he does for the betterment of his uh, people. But uh, I would love to see that council. I don't know if he's surrounded by a bunch of uh, yes, Gungans, but I, <laughs> I would love to see someone be like, Okay, but okay, but Jar Jar's gone. Tarples, we'll talk about it. But like, is there? What are we going to do about that? Because they are up there, and we feel as though they're not going to find us. But is that true? Like, I'd love to see if that conversation happened. Yeah, yeah. I think that I get this picture. This is just total headcanon that uh, that Boss Nass is kind of even though he's like, "Come on, we got stuff to do. You're outsiders. You're not. You shouldn't be here. You keep turning around. And have another question. Just you know, be gone with you." Um, that he kind of can't let it go. I, I like the picture that he just he he's just like, can you can you believe the ego on that Jedi? Did you did you hear that? 
Did you hear that young one who tried to society explain to me about how things work? <laughs> Did you hear that? God, they're pompous, just like the Naboo. <laughs> and like, then they're like two uh, other Gungan High Council members who are like kind of whispering, of like, we need to get him back on track. This is the yeah. mechanics is actually a problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe they discussed the bongo budget of like, can we really afford a bongo? But yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the great things of Phantom Menace that, that, uh, you know, there, there are kind of these big story details that are just like thrown out in dialogue, right? Of that they, uh, the Trade Federation, once they do have the Naboo locked down, are, they're looking for those rumored, uh, yep. underwater villages, right? And then, uh, they find them, but the Gungans have fled. So, there is also the possibility that, you know, Boss Nass is uh, saying, God, pompous Jedi. And then the rest of the council is like, yeah, but should we look in the, into this? <laughs> yeah. Should we send some scouts? Should we take this seriously? Oh, damn. This is serious, you know? Yeah. Look, look, and where, where we find them in the uh, the sacred place a little bit later on, I, I, it's I, it's weird to me. It reminds me a lot of the stuff going at play in uh, Two Towers with King Thid and if people are familiar with, with the movie versions, uh, I'm talking specifically here, but just this idea of, uh, you know, where, where is Gondor in our time of uh, need? You know, uh, if they light the beacons, are, are you going to answer? No, we're going to take care of ourselves because they don't care about us. Uh, and and Nas kind of probably has that vibe. They run away, uh, not unlike um, the uh, people of Rohan going to Helm's Deep. It's, it's in their tradition. It's where they go. It's where they go to hide and save themselves. Mm. And to find them there for them to not go back. They don't go back to the city. Jar Jar knows where we go when we get into trouble, they're in trouble. And Nass probably is like, we're going to fight to the end. Uh, we are a proud people. We got a grand army, but I, I think you find him in that spot. Uh, and, and Padme is, is lighting the beacons of Gondor. Uh, she's just finding the right way to present it and the right way to say enough line. That's my decoy. This is me. And uh, I'm bound before you because I'm sorry. Sorry for everything that's gone on here. We yeah. need your help. And I think Nash has that moment of realization for himself. I think it's credit for him because he could have been like, nah, be gone with you. But he, 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 yeah, now I know we definitely need you and we can work together. Uh, Gondar calls, Rohan will answer. Uh, that is some uh, great uh, Lord of the Rings center uh, to connect it. Yeah, and I love what you're saying of uh, Padme does uh, uh, do this great diplomacy and this great honesty uh, but the Gungans do have their backs up against the wall in the sacred place. They know they're in trouble in that moment. And uh, to give some some credit, maybe some growth to Kenobi, Kenobi does not raise his hand and go, hey, remember that stuff I was saying about uh, the symbiont circle and what happens to them will affect you too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny meeting you here in the sacred place, boss Nass, says Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Uh, he doesn't know, which is good for him. Yes. Uh, so do you want, you mentioned this, do you want Boss Nass to appear in future Star Wars storytelling? Like, this is an easy one to joke about because he is such mm-hmm. a sort of um, outrageous character with, uh, in our opinion, slightly outdated uh, CGI. So he, he can be a character that you go to for jokes, right? But do you seriously want him to appear anywhere else? I, I really do. I really do. Uh, how and why and the amount can be up for debate. I, I want it to be more than a passing reference of uh, uh, boss Rugar Nass died and was replaced by, you know, this next, we got, we got a little bit of that, right? There's more, na- there's more bosses on the way. It was boss Leone, right? Boss Leone in the Clone Wars. Yeah. 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 So there's more to tell there. One example, the reason um, I'd be excited to, you know, I, I, I we mentioned talking about TV show or live action or something like that, and just a better, uh, better version of the tech behind him. But um, I'm thinking of uh, Paul the Lesser, 
And when Pog the Lesser pops back in a catalyst and you have some great scenes uh, with, with Krennic who kind of comes off as this, as this Hans Landa kind of guy in, in, in the, in the catalyst novel at times. Uh, I, I, it was a great use of, of Pog of the Lesser, the great use of going, Hey, remember that uh, click, click guy that you maybe made fun of <laughs> in, in college or something? Here he is again. And it works. Uh, and, and, and we'd learn a little bit more of the Genosian uh, culture and everything. I think you could work with Boss Nast. I think you could find a way. And maybe it's before. I don't know. Maybe you go back some years. I'm not saying he needs to appear in, you know, High Republic series. Uh, what I'm saying is the Acolyte is about, uh, about Boss Nast. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, Boss Nass uh, and Mother Talzin knew one another for sure. <laughs> uh, not that the not that the acolyte is about the Night Sisters. It's just what uh, everybody seems to uh, think, think, feel, not think, feel. We uh, anyway don't need to get into the acolyte. We will eventually, and I'm looking forward to that show. But yeah, I think so. We know that he is not the ruler during the Clone Wars because we meet a new boss uh, mm-hmm. during the Clone Wars animated series. But we know that Boss Nass is around because he attends. Uh, Padme's funeral in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a part of me that's idea that, you know, maybe he's he's getting up there in Gungan years and I really, really want more storytelling on and about Naboo during the Imperial reign. Mm. And I, I don't care if it's a comic book, uh, maybe, who knows, maybe Andor, I think probably not, but I kind of don't care where. I, I would be very curious if, you know, Boss Nass having been through everything that he's been through and having the wisdom, there's an interesting story of like old, old man Nass is working for the rebellion in his twilight years. I on board hundred percent on board. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll get right in my fanfic. (laughs) (laughs) Old man Nass directed by James Mangold. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a thing if just, I mean, he did Logan. Great job. He's working on Indiana Jones and just like, uh, what is what is Mangold's next uh, old person project <laughs> in a good way? OK, so final question here, Ken, now that we've gone through it all, uh, what's your summary of the scene? What's your big takeaway of, of what it's about and why you like it or value it? I, I value it because it, it just really takes the big themes we're about to dive into for essentially nine movies, but particularly this one. Uh, it just puts it right in center stage. It makes you think about it. There's not not every moment is clear, uh, and and I and I go back to this scene often because I go back to this character often. This character of Boss Nass, this proud leader of this uh, proud people who um, have been forced into a corner, and how do they get themselves out of it, and how do they get them out, uh, in the right way that's right for them, the right for their culture, and right for everyone going forward. I think it's powerful stuff. It's also so wonderfully Star Wars. I I do not think it's boring uh, at all anymore. There was probably a point where I did think that, and there was probably a point where you watch a lot of videos telling you that this is just a pointless scene. There's so much going on here. I uh, when I think uh, we were talking about what to do, and I think you just kind of suggested this one. It was like, absolutely, it's an important scene to the building block block of this franchise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that we we got to dig in because we've talked a little bit about Boss Nass and kind of joked about Boss Nass, but uh, you know, I didn't I didn't realize that you were uh, as all in on Boss Nass as you are, and it's so great. I really, uh, yeah. And there's there's so much going on in this scene. I think the way Boss Nass is presented. It is. It's weird and fun. It's the the great side of of fantasy, of uh, just 
there's an element of of comedy and weirdness and flavor that is absolutely strong enough for for people to uh, be saying planet core in a weird voice mm-hmm. <laughs> years later and celebrating that moment it's a great picture of how the jedi conduct themselves in the galaxy like these specific jedi but just watching jedi interact in the galaxy and uh, i enjoyed that even back in the day because we didn't really get to see that we got to see luke become a Jedi and a little bit of how he conducted himself as a Jedi in Return of the Jedi. But going back to this is those glorious days uh, when the Jedi Knights were everywhere. And this is uh, an example of how they interact with different parts of the galaxy in this scene. And then I think most importantly, it is laying the foundation of these great ideas about empathy, connection, the importance of helping others and that helping others is also helping yourself uh and i think it's presented in a way that is very clear but i don't think it's super naive because it's showing all these moments of conflict between the gungans and the naboo it's hinting at the depth of it it's uh hinting at you know obi-wan still has a lot to learn it's it's making you question like understand where qui-gon's coming from did he need to do that mind trick (laughs) how is jar jar being punished there's lots of like uh plenty of room for darkness and ambiguity as we have uh, experienced But the big picture idea that's being communicated is even in this dark, complex, weird galaxy, we just have to try to to go toward light and life, go toward helping each other and finding connection and believing that we're all connected. And I think that's what ultimately is really powerful to me about this scene. Absolutely. Uh, Well said indeed. And yes, a lot of passion for Boss Nass, Uh, a lot of passion for the little fun Little fun corners of Star Wars that we love just spending time with. Yeah, exactly. So we will be spending even more time in even more corners, all of our general deep dive discussions, but also doing some more of these uh, scene by scenes. It's fun to do some of, we've done some of like the big scenes, right? But it's fun also to dig into some of these scenes uh, that have a mixture of uh, weird and fun and comedy and silliness and and controversy and depth and just really finding out what's there. So that is it for our deep dive. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely, we'll do that. Uh, we are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of different platforms, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly. And you can follow me at Catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com or check out the GPA.fun over there. Me, Josh, Mark, Riley, uh, and more having fun at the Good People Association. And for you, Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, my other podcast obsessed comedy albums, future live shows, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for Boss Nass and his fun, strange little hat, this has been Force Center. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.